Man, I'm so excited. It's I, I could like barely sleep last night because I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but it, it's a special time. And it's kind of crazy because I actually came here like seven years ago, almost to the week, I think. And I was I remember bringing my electric guitar amp and it, which was way too loud for this space and setting up right there and having Andrew Franklin run around. And I think I was like experiencing yellow fever um, symptoms because I just gotten the shot uh, vaccination. Anyways, it's like really exciting for me to, um, to, to be here seven years later. It's really cool. So you might be experiencing yellow fever as well uh, as we're moving. No, but um, so yeah, my name is Miguel. I've been here almost uh, seven years. And uh, today I'm going to talk about, uh, I, I titled it, uh, thanks for your grace, Andrew. Um, God chooses rejects like you and me. Um, and if you don't know what a you is, uh, a you is a, a female sheep. And um, if you know a lot more about sheep and sheepy things, just come talk to me after because I'd love to learn. I, I've, I learned a little bit about um, sheep, but, um, but I'd love to learn because I probably don't know everything, and that's okay. Um, but we're going to talk today about uh, shepherds, sheep, rejection, and how God takes all of those things, and he has a plan for you and a plan for me. Um, so let's, let's pray this morning. Um, God, thank you so much for uh, being a God of, of newness, and uh, thank you so much for being a, a beautiful, uh, creative redeemer who um, takes uh, broken things, messy things, rejected things, and makes beautiful things out of all that stuff. Um, we ask, God, that, um, that by your spirit that you might illuminate to us um, the words of your scripture. Um, give us uh, new insight, Lord. Um, we ask if, there is, if we, any of us are experiencing or have experienced rejection, Lord, that you would heal those parts of us. Um, God, that you would transform us and um, just make us whole um, as we look to you, uh, Jesus, our, our shepherd. Um, and we're so grateful, God, to have this opportunity to look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 2, which is in um, page 500 of this Bible um, that I have. Actually, it's 591 on this one. So if you want to get that ready, get your finger ready on your iPhone, that would be cool. But um, I wanted to put this picture up. Oh, yeah. Um, this is called a, it's a little claymation um, show called Shaun the Sheep. I don't know if you've heard of Shaun the Sheep. Um, one of our uh, old members, uh, J.P. Vine, actually would work on Shaun the Sheep, and he storyboarded all this stuff and did had some, uh, some, some uh, writing in the process and that sort of thing. But I thought it was a really cute picture. Um, we're going to use our imagination for the first, uh, like, five minutes of our, of our time here. And we're going to pretend like we are um, shepherds for a day. So um, if you want to close your eyes and... And take, do that. That's fine. I have some pictures up as well. Um, so we're going to pretend. And uh, life as a shepherd is, is, starts very early. So um, every morning you have to wake up at about 3.30 a.m. to milk the sheep. And you have to make sure that they all get milked before they leave the pen. Because if they don't get milked, uh, once they're all milked, you have to herd and guide them to grazing land, which is usually hard to get to. Um, generally, the sheep are penned in the valleys, and the hills are where all the good food is. As you guide them as a shepherd, you have to be very gentle with the sheep. 
you have to speak tenderly, almost like as you would to a child. Um, you have to keep constant communication. And you don't, ha- you don't beat them, even if they are stubborn. But you can uh, gently nudge and poke with your staff. Um, you have to keep the sheep warm at times, especially the newborns. Uh, make sure that their feet are trimmed. You have to, to keep them free from disease and from pests. And sometimes maybe a sheep might run into like a thorn bush and you might have to put oil on the wound. Um, sometimes you'll have to be a little tough with a sheep. You might have to notch the ears of the sheep to tell them apart from different flocks. Um, this one's kind of uh, you might have to castrate uh, certain rams if they aren't the ones that you want to breed. Um, uh, every once in a while, you might run into a small cave where predators may, might live, like a fox. And you have to like use smoke and smoke them out and make sure that the sheep are safe. Um, you're going to have to be willing to get your hands dirty uh, because sheep have all kinds of bodily fluids. And the birthing process is especially messy. Um, so sometimes you might help to help, have to help out a ewe uh, with, with a lamb, especially if they're having trouble. Um, and because of all this close proximity, um, you might end up, end up smelling like a sheep. Um, sadly, uh, you're acquainted, bless you, by the way, um, you, you, uh, you're going to become acquainted with death because a lot of times um, the sheep, especially the lambs, can die. And so you might have to get used to that. So as you can tell, um, shepherding is not really a, a comforting, uh, comfortable job. Um, in general, you have very little, right? You were considered low on the social status. Um, income was not very substantial or consistent. And it was a very lonely job and a very tough one where you faced all sorts of uh, tough weather. And loneliness, especially the sheep, you know, generally aren't very conversational. They're not great. Uh, you know, at having good chats with. Uh, but there were other culture, uh, other careers that were much easier to, 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 uh, to plan around, like, for example, agriculture, right? Um, you'll have to get used to being on your feet a lot, and you'll probably wander. And you have to be okay with constant change. You never know when the, the weather patterns are going to change and that sort of thing, or when certain hills have better grazing. Um, so... In general, shepherding is not a career that was sought after. Uh, Even now, um, it's usually a career that's handed to you by your ancestors. Um, And one of the reasons that it wasn't really sought after was because you tended to be disconnected from the urban city centers where uh, there was information like new ideas, uh, technology, access to news and history and what's going on in the world. Um, As a shepherd, you could never quite be an efficient person. Um, And you had to battle this stigma, stigma that um, rural people or country folk are kind of worse, useless. But there were some real perks to being a shepherd. Um, Shepherds were not learned necessarily in an intellectual sense, but they were always learners, learners of the land, learners of soil, learners of weather, and breeding and, and feeding. Um, sometimes you would create your own dialects. Like, how many different ways can you say sheep, right? Like, uh, like you, lamb, ram, blah, blah. And then you get, like, you stuck in the bush. Or, like, you know, you end up creating your own dialect, which is kind of cool. 
Uh, every so often, the shepherds would get together during special times of the year. And when you got many shepherds in one place, it was usually a very, very special time, a merry time. Um, you might cons- commiserate, right, about the loneliness, about the cold, or about those stubborn sheep that you have. Um, but there was probably a lot of storytelling as well. And if you were a shepherd in Israel, you were probably in touch with the Jewish prophecies and festivals, especially the festival of Passover, where the best of your flock would often be taken to go get sacrificed. And we can only imagine what the shepherds were thinking about um, during the time of uh, the census in Bethlehem, uh, when all of a sudden they were met with some unexpected visitors. So let's read from uh, Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made, to, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Amen. Uh, This is a really familiar story, right? Uh, A lot of us have probably heard this. Um, And I just want to briefly take uh, three observations that that we can see. Um, I'm calling these unexpected transformations. One of them is an unexpected transformation from fear to freedom, right? At the beginning, the shepherds, when they hear and see the angel, they're afraid. But by the end of the story, they are... Um, they're full of freedom, right? Um, w- another thing is that uh, the shepherds are, at the beginning of the story, they are recipients of the message. But by the end of the story, they become the messengers themselves, right? Um, one last observation that we'll make really quickly is uh, they go from kind of being on the fringe of society to uh, being in the fray or being favored by God. In the CSB, it talks about, uh, it says the word favored instead of um, uh, grace, uh, to whom he has grace upon. But, uh, you know, it says, uh, yeah, favored. And I love that word favored. 
And we kind of talked about how the shepherds were sort of outcasts, um, and God brings them to the center of, of this story of, of history. And I want us to think about that. Like, why would God do that? Well, let's ask the question, why would God send um, the angel to these shepherds? He could have gone to, to anybody, right? Um, he could have gone to people with better jobs or better reputation. Maybe like, um, I know, the publisher of the local news or, you know, somebody who's more wealthy or educated who could, who could share this news more. Why would he go to people that society had kind of rejected? Uh, in fact, they were probably even a little stinky when they get to the manger, right? But at least they could mask their smell with the animals and that kind of thing. Um, but that's a good question, right? Like, why? Why would God do that? And um, as, I was, as I was looking through and figuring out what to say, and I came up with the conclusion that, that God loves shepherds. Like, he's particularly fond of shepherds. I don't know. We don't know why, right? But um, they're actually extremely es- essential to the story of the Bible. And we have to, we have to re- be reminded that God is this great cosmic story writer, right? Like, and he has his story right here in the Bible, and um, he's so masterful at when, how he crafts it. And if you ever have doubts about, about the, um, the Bible and the validity, uh, maybe today we can, we can um, convince you that uh, the word is, is true from beginning to end. And um, so I want to take you in the next uh, 15 minutes through the story of the Bible. We're going to look at some of the patriarchs and some important people. And it's going to be a lot of names. And if you're not familiar with the names, that's okay. Um, I have a list of, uh, if you're a detailed person, I have a list with all the verses and that kind of thing that I'm going to send to the home groups. And if you want that, we can, we can do that. But I want us to take a look at um, something that I discovered that God cares about shepherds. And as I was looking at all these people, I was like, what? He's a shepherd? They're shepherds? What? So we're going to start. Um, so each each character, uh, I hope, inspires you to go back and, and read. So we're going to start with um, Adam and Eve. And you might think, like, hmm, were they shepherds? Well, they're kind of like the OG of OGs in the sense that, like, they were not just shepherds. They were farmers. They were all these things. They, they were in charge of all of creation, and God had put them in charge of everything. So they definitely knew sheep, right? Um, then we go to a couple chapters later. Uh, uh, the character named Abel, right? And if you remember in chapter 4, it says that he's a keeper of the flocks. Um, Next, we'll think about Abram. Um, Abram actually gained a lot of sheep from this really strange encounter with Pharaoh. Um, You can read about that. And um, next, we'll go with Isaac, um, who, uh, when he was dwelling in the land of the Philistines, he ended up acquiring a lot of uh, sheep too, and it's his flocks. Um, Jacob in Genesis 30, he gets flocks from his uncle Laban, and those those names might be familiar to you. But if you're like me, I was like, "What? All these dudes are actually shepherds!" Like, I, I was so surprised. I was like, um, to the point where the actually the entire nation of Israel was considered considered to be a shepherding nation, um, to the point where. Um, 
you know, when they meet Pharaoh, they have to, they're trying to say something else about their, their livelihood because shepherds were kind of detestable in their eyes. Um, then you have this person named Moses. You may have heard of him. Um, he ended up shepherding his father-in-law's flocks. This, this is a bonus quiz question, but does anybody remember his father-in-law's name? Jethro. Yeah, yeah, which is a cool name. Um, yeah, Moses was a shepherd too. Isn't that crazy? And, and then this one's probably the easiest one, uh, David, right? Uh, we've all heard of, you know, Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. Um, but he, he, he had to get, you know, messy with, with um, protecting his flocks, like against, I think it's like lions and, and a bear, right? Um, and even in the prophets, there's this dude named Isaiah. I mean, sorry, Amos, um, who in Amos, this is... Uh, Verse 1, chapter 1 of Amos, he's one of the shepherds of Tekoa. So, and he's called to ministry to, to prophesy against the religious elite. But it's crazy, right? Like, all throughout the Bible, all these different shepherds, like, God winds them into the story of the Bible. And all these, all these characters, all these people are symbols that are pointing to one great shepherd, um, whom the uh, prophet Ezekiel uh, prophesied about um, this shepherd king. And I want us to read really quickly from uh, Ezekiel 34. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to put it on the screen. But it says this. It says, I will rescue my flock. This is Ezekiel 34 and God speaking. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful words that God writes to this, this people. He's seen his nation be um, beat up. And, and, um, and he's seen shepherds that came along who were abusive or neglectful or all these things. And God says to his nation, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you the best shepherd that you could ever ask for. Um, and I love how it says, you know, in, in verse 24, it says, my servant David, he shall, he shall be a prince among them. So this shepherd king that is prophesied in the Bible. So I love this. And I also want to go one level deeper um, and all those lists of names of people that we saw, um, I want to I wanna make an appeal to you today that these people actually experienced rejection as well. Not only were they shepherds, um, but like many of, uh, of the characters in the Bible, they experienced some form of rejection. So we're going to go back through them all, and I'm just going to quickly say one or two things about them, um, that they, the rejection that they faced. So Adam and Eve, right? Uh, they experienced rejection by uh, one of the, the beasts of the, of the field, it says, the serpent, right? Um, to the degree where the serpent causes them to distrust in God's goodness. Um, Abel, he, was, uh, he experienced rejection by his own brother who killed him. Uh, Abram, he experienced rejection in the sense that uh, he and his wife could not conceive Right? And in that time, that was really important. You, you didn't have offspring, meaning you didn't have an inheritance. Um, you didn't have inheritors, um, excuse me. And uh, the book of Hebrews is kind of funny. It says it considered him as good as dead. 
um, because he had no offspring. He was old, old guy, you know. Um, the, uh, Isaac was, uh, he experienced rejection in the sense that his dad favored uh, his, his, his brother Esau instead of Isaac. Um, Jacob experienced rejection by his uncle who deceived him many times. Um, Joseph, you might remember, he experienced rejection by all of his brothers. Like, they sold him into slavery into Egypt. Um, The entire nation of Israel uh, was considered detestable because they were shepherds in the eyes of Egypt. They were put into slavery for 400 years. Um, Moses was rejected by his own people when he first tried to help them. And David, interestingly enough, he, I would say he was rejected by his own father because if you remember the story, um, there's a prophet that comes to anoint the king. And so David's own dad is, uh, he lines up all the brothers and he lines them all up, but except for David. David was out in the fields and he didn't even consider him worthy of being potentially considered an anointed king. Um, and finally, Amos, the prophet, he was rejected by the spiritual elite. They're like, we don't like your truth. It's too deep. Get out of here. Um, rejected for preaching the truth. So God, he loves rejected people. He loves rejects. Um, have you ever experienced rejection? Um, and that's, that's uh, it's probably something that we all have experienced. And I want to take a, a, just a couple minutes here to share some of my experiences about rejection. And, um, and to be fair, like, I'm not perfect either. I've probably rejected people as well. So I definitely know that I am uh, a sinner saved by grace. But I want to share about the times that I um, have experienced reject, uh, rejection. And not to be in, like, this woe is me victim kind of mentality, but just to, to, to share that um, these are some of the things that I've had to work through. Um, I've experienced rejection in uh, previous romantic relationships. <laughs> I remember this time in high school where, uh, like, um, it was a Sadie Hawkins dance at my high school. Sadie Hawkins is when the girl invites the guy. But because no girl invited me, I invited a friend of mine from another school to be my Sadie Hawkins uh, date. And I remember when she got there, I totally got, like, friend-zoned. Uh, which is, you know, it's okay. But she ended up, like, dancing with my, one of my friends, and I was just like, oh, you know. <laughs> it's silly. It's silly. Um, this one's a little more serious. At, at one point, I, I um, and I have a great relationship with my parents now, but at one point, I definitely was rejected by, by my parents in the sense that I remember getting this tattoo, which is a, I am that I am, or Yahweh, or, um, and I remember my mom you know, she was like, how could you do this to me? You know, she's like, so like indignant about um, that. And then and I remember my dad um, calling, he was like, yeah, you were just like, you're just a religious fanatic. You know, you said all those things. And again, like my relationship with my parents is super cool now. Like I would consider my dad one of my best friends by God's grace. But uh, in that time, I, it was really hurtful, right? Because I was so passionate about this, this, this newfound faith that I had. Um, I, I experienced rejection in my, my previous church, and, and that's crazy that I'm preaching now here, seven years after. Um, but I had, at my old church, um, I had the, these, like, 
these high hopes where um, the church actually was a large church and they owned this parsonage property um, to uh, just like across the street from where the church was. And I had been working there for almost nine years, part-time some years and then full-time. Um, and I remember like appealing to the pastor. I was like, hey, pastor, I got this amazing idea. Like, what if you give this parsonage home to me and some other young men? And we'll create, like, this Bible study environment. Like, every night, like, we can have people over and, like, worship and do all these things. And I remember that there was another staff person that came on, and and uh, and he ended up giving the parsonage home to, to that person. And, you know, so that, that was, like, an, a, a moment where I experienced, like, this kind of rejection. I was like, oh, God, I have these amazing things that I want to do and can do for you. Um, and then this one sort of has relates to our, our ethnic conversation and uh, conversations about race and this sort of thing. But I feel like I've experienced rejection in terms of like being a first generation Mexican-American person. Like my parents came from Mexico and I was born here. So I'm not quite as Mexican for the Mexicans and I'm not quite as American for the Americans. Like I'm sort of this weird, I called it limbo Latino. <laughs> <laughs> Limbatino. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but, um, but, and so the Bible, uh, again, as, as all these characters were symbols, um, the Bible tells us of one more person that all these things are pointing up to, right? Uh, and this is the person who experienced the ultimate rejection. And I want us to read really quick from Isaiah 53. Um, we, I think I'm going to have it up there, at least little excerpts of it. So you can just read those. And, and, um, but I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 53, like five verses. Uh, and this is talking about um, the coming Messiah or the suffering servant. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet. He opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that it, before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And it's such a beautiful picture of, of God, right? God's love. And if we remember that first list, right? Uh, these shepherds... Um, and the prophesied shepherd king that was supposed to come 
And, and, and if we look at that list again, and this is the second time we dig one, one layer deeper, we see that the, the shepherd king becomes the sacrificial lamb, right? The shepherd becomes the sheep. And, and he does that so that we could be with God. For our sins, he did all those things. And, and I just want to say, how creative is God? How, how wonderful of an artist and, and, and story writer is he that he would take all these messy, broken things and that he would find and give us redemption in his own son. Um, and the courage that Jesus had and the tenderness that he had to become that lamb who, who you know, didn't lift up his voice. And behind every experience of rejection that you or I might have had, there's a story of redemption. Um, God is going to use rejection as good material to create and write a story of redemption. And that's what this entire book is about. It's a story of redemption. Um, It's about uh, the love of God and God's plan just when things um, couldn't get any worse. And um, I just wrote down, I'm looking at my notes, but it says, great brokenness leads to great worship. Um, and I think, I think we're starting to get it maybe as, as a congregation. that Worship is not just like, um, you know, a 9 to 1030 on a Sunday morning kind of thing. Worship is all of our lives. And I understand that. But sometimes when you go to other congregations, and I'm, I'm not trying to, I hope you don't feel condemned. I'm not trying to say. But I think uh, sometimes when I go to congregations that experience more rejection in their life, like as a, as a people group, um, and you see their worship, like it's so much more like essential to their, to their expression. And I think part of it is because they don't have the same uh, privileges that a lot of us do. I mean... We, um, I can't remember who, who was sharing about, uh, you know, being in the top 3% income in all the world. But, but these people, a lot of these people have nothing. A lot of um, people that I've seen, you know, including immigrants, man, they will worship God because God is everything that they have. Um, so, and the amazing thing is God will meet us exactly where we are. So, in, um, so in that place of great brokenness, God has a redemptive story. And so once again, let's, let's imagine the shepherds outcast their whole life um, until they walk into that manger uh, where they get to catch a glimpse of the Messiah as, as a little baby. Um, and the story that we read, you know, it says, uh, the scripture, it says how their hearts were, were full and they were full of amazement and, and wonder. And I, I think that the shepherds understood it because they were rejected. And I think... That's why God drew them near. He's like, you guys have experienced a really poor, you know, life on this earth. Well, I'm going to give, I love you guys. And I, I, I'm going to give you a glimpse into the plan of redemption that I have for all humanity. And you get to be privileged in that, in that regard. And God's favor is poured out upon the weak, the broken, the fragile, the foolish, the rejects, the small, the least of these. And it's awesome. Uh, and I want us to, to, to read um, one of the scriptures that I think encompasses this really well. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to put it on the screen. I wanna, I'm going to read it first, and then we can read it together. But listen to the language. It says, God chose what is foolish in the world 
to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And then the next part of the verse. It says, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption from God, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I want us to read this together because it's powerful. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So let's read it from the top uh, on the, of the previous one. All right. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption from God, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Amen. So Solano, our, our response, I, I, I think God wants to move us from rejection into his greater story. And, and, and we get to see a little glimpse of that with the shepherds. But I want to ask us today here in, in this place, how, how, are, how are you going to respond um, individually, we'll start on that level, but also as, as, as a church. And I want to say as, as an individual, I'm, I'm not sure you've probably faced some kind of rejection, maybe in your past, or maybe you're going through it right now. But I want to say um, to you to, uh, um, to let God into that place, you know, um, invite others into that place so that you can, you can be healed and, 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 and that you can experience God's redemptive uh, story writing in your life, you know. Um, rejection causes us to, to, to be afraid, and, 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 and we, we put up our, the, our walls and our defenses, and, and we end up pushing people away sometimes. But, but God wants us to, to trust each other, right? And, and, um, and thankfully, we have Jesus who is rejected so that we could be accepted. And so I want to invite you to, to, to process through that if it's something that, that, that you're working through. Um, you can do this in your home groups. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to, to walk through. And Solano, as, as a church body, I think it's fair to say that we, in some way, that we experienced rejection in moving away from this place because I know Andrew had shared about his heart you know, he really wanted, he wants to have that church in Berkeley. And when I came here, I, I didn't really know that much about Berkeley. But when I came here, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm in it. I'm in it to win it here, here at Berkeley. Um, like those people, they need God. They're so smart. Imagine if we, 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 we had all those people with, with amazing intellect who could, who could spread the news about, the, about, the, about God's word. But then over time, it's like, wow, like 
man, maybe God doesn't want us there now, like at this moment. Maybe God's causing us to go into El Cerrito so that, so that we can have twins, you know, have, have one church there and then eventually have another church over there. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be so cool. But I think it's okay to, to grieve that and it's okay to experience that um, together, you know. But, but also I want to appeal to, to you and just say that, that God's story for Solano is not, it's not done being written yet. You know, and, and there's going to be amazing blessing around the corner that we can't really, we can't really know. I mean, it's, it's going to be so awesome. So I, I want us to together trust in him and to really rally around each other. You know, maybe some of this, the individual stuff where we need, we need that healing. Maybe, one, you know, once those things are taken care of, man, then we'll link up arms even stronger so that when, when new people come, like, you know, El Cerrito has a lot of people around there. It's pretty dense. And so when they come into our, like, fold, you know, for sheep, they can also experience the good shepherd, right? Because we've, have, we've, we've been experiencing the good shepherd. So um, I just want to pray for us and, 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 yeah, ask God to help us with all these things. And then Andrew's going to lead us in communion. Um, Father, I, I thank you so much for, for being an amazing redeemer and how your scripture attests to your, your intricate, delicate weaving of metaphors and, and symbols and, and people that you, throughout history, have redeemed their, their broken situations, their rejection, Lord. And we stand before you, God, as Solano Church, as individuals, Lord, but also collectively as people who want to continue to experience your goodness and, and your trustworthiness and your redemption, Lord. And so I pray and I thank you. We, we want to praise you for choosing us. God, we don't know why. We don't know why you did that. But I, I, I ask God that you would show us why. And that in this next season, God, that we would be so, so faithful to trust you. That we might um, sh- just show us your goodness, God, in the person of Jesus Christ, in the, the Holy Spirit. Just pour, pour it out upon us, God. Help us in this next season to be bold, to, to love one another so much so that, so that people, we become a magnet, God, for, for the surrounding environments so that, that we might spill over your love and spill over Jesus Christ into, uh, into, in, into our, our everyday walk, God. So we, we praise you, Lord. We need your help, and we're so grateful. Amen. Thanks, Miguel.